We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA Podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company. Coming at you Wednesday morning, it's April 12th. It's early out here in LA, and I'm joined by Wolves beat writer Chris Hine from the Star Tribune. Chris, uh, let's just get into this game. Uh, Obviously, there were good things to talk about uh, from this game. Actually, a pretty great first three quarters, but I think we should probably start by talking about the the end of that game. The, The fourth quarter, obviously, the offense completely dries up. They scored 12 points in the fourth quarter. Three of those points came from Torian Prince. Nine of those points were from Mike Conley. Three of those Conley points, obviously, being those free throws with 0.1 seconds left. They they literally did not make a basket in the final six minutes of the quarter. And if if that's different at all, we are having a a different conversation uh, this morning. And the Wolves are on their way to Memphis. From your perspective, going off what you saw and what you heard kind of Finch and the players talk about after the game, what were the primary factors behind that just kind of next-level power outage from the Wolves? Yeah, a, kind of a perfect storm of of everything that could go wrong for them. You know, we've seen Ant take over, hit some shots late in games. Ant is either banged up a we don't know how bad we didn't get to talk to him last night or b just wasn't feeling a shot last night um out of rhythm and then cat we've seen him like that like in that brooklyn game when cat just kind of posted up and took over scored a couple baskets late in that game got them the win but carl's battling five fouls throughout that whole fourth quarter and he's less aggressive as a result meaning he's not doing what he normally does in the post. He's settling for contested jump shots. So Ant is not feeling as confident. Carl is not feeling like himself. They're kind of tired because everybody's playing high 30s, low 40s last night because they're so thin. And so the movement is dry. Uh, the Everybody's kind of standing around, and that's what you get. That's what you end up getting. Is well, there's just not other cocktail. offensive options no, kind of really there. No. It was, I obviously go back and watch it or whatever, but it just felt like every offensive possession went to like six seconds on the shot clock before they're like before desperation there was any movement before there was anybody trying to drive it. 
everybody was just kind of standing right or just standing around until six seconds in the shot clock and then all of a sudden uh, you know somebody's trying to toss somebody a grenade and just bad bad basketball it's i don't know it, it's easy to you know make some connections to obviously that's happened throughout this season it happened in the playoffs last year just these blowing leads in in the fourth quarter and it, it's in ways similar in ways different obviously you have a different roster now but this has been a theme with this team and you know i think a lot of people are going to put that on chris finch um obviously you ant and cat were there last year when this was happening as well but this team can they're again their margin for errors we say all the time is so thin and then and so with that when you go the wrong way, the power outage happens, and and they can't they they can't find ways to to bounce back from it. And and I I don't know it's 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 concerning. I don't know and or nor do I really think it's that important to point one finger specifically at one person there because at least the way I see it, it's it's on it's on everyone. Even Carl who had a who had a great game. I mean the the fourth quarter there where he just st- stalls out himself. Um, and I understand to some extent that there's a, a mental element there where, where you can't where you can't get your shot. But it, it seemed that that tentativeness from him and just kind of collectively, it felt like the group had that tentativeness yeah, around Carl picking up that sixth foul. I just thought that that you had to let go of that sooner. I, uh, I asked I asked Kat about playing with that. I'll just I thought that was a kind of interesting answer from him. Uh, so we'll play that clip and then talk a little bit more about that. Carl, what what is that like mentally when you have five fouls in the fourth quarter, knowing that maybe you need to sacrifice some things to make sure to not yeah. pick up that that six fall? But what's the what's the balance there? I mean, you know, I mean, it's simple. Like, you know, I think a lot throughout the game, I was really doing a great job attacking the rim, really being powerful, getting to the rim, doing whatever I do, and you know, when you get two fouls off of flops, you know, it makes it very difficult to want to, with five fouls to do something like that. I don't want to put my team in a bad position where I make an aggressive move, they flop, they get the call, and then I'm out the game. You know, like I said, you like like the game played out, you never know what's going to happen. So never knew, you never, you know, three free throws by Mike with point one. Who would have thought that? You know, we go to overtime, you know, good thing. You know, I didn't get that six whistle, so. It's, it's, it, I think the fouls hurt a lot because, um, you you know, like you said, mentally, it just you don't want to hurt your team. You know, you want to be out there. You know, you can impact the game and you just don't want to um, have a flop happen. Don't even have to get hit just to get a call. So it changes the dynamic. So, Chris, it's it's hard for me to sit here and talk about fouls again or, or, or free throw discrepancy. Like obviously, Carl playing with five fouls changed the dynamic for for them. That that right. is is a fact. I watching the game live did not see or feel, at least from a free throw standpoint, a big discrepancy of like, oh, they should have they should have gotten to the line more, and the the refs were missing calls. I didn't see them going to the basket a lot. So what what, what I saw more as it pertains to the referees and the fouls was the fact that they they got tight because yeah. because Carl had five and and yes like it it's jarring and Finch was upset about the 17 to 3 discrepancy there but as I was watching it that didn't that didn't pop to me that it felt like I mean to get to the free throw line 
you need to get to the rim. And like we're saying, with if it's five, six seconds left on the shot clock, it didn't. It, they weren't shots that you were going into a getting fouled situation, right? Mm-hmm. It would be, and honestly, I thought Anthony Davis just got them to not even shoot at the rim. In, in hindsight, maybe you just do barrel into him and you try and, you know, actually draw a foul there. So it's it's annoying to to be sitting here and needing to be talking about fouls because it was relevant to Carl personally. I didn't find the free throw discrepancy in the second half to be as big of a deal as as certainly Chris Finch did. And I don't know, some of that maybe is him just messaging and putting pressure on because that's how part of how all of this works these days. But was that striking to you how frustrated Finch was about the whistle specifically in the fourth quarter? It was. I, I don't think you can look at how they played offense in the fourth quarter last night and be like, oh, yeah, these guys got the short end of the whistle. They 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 were very easy to defend because they're just standing around for 18 seconds of the shot clock. They weren't driving to the basket. And again, would have been nice to talk to them. Um, would have been nice to find out like, were you that shoulder, your, your shoulders taped up? Were you in a lot of pain? Did that affect you from maybe wanting to initiate contact as you're going to the rim? He didn't seem to want to do that too much in the fourth quarter last night. I think he started doing it towards the end of the fourth and in overtime a little bit but for most of the fourth quarter when he was out there he was just dribbling around the perimeter um and nobody else was really taking it to the basket either carl it was does need carl to be was him I, to. I guess it right has to, it has to be him he's the main he's the main guy that does that mm-hmm. right i mean Jaden could do it too but you don't have Jaden last night yeah. um so i i'm not i'm not buying the the whistle cost us that game theory you gotta you gotta figure out a way to you gotta figure out a way to move on guys like that's just the reality of nba basketball um yeah lebron's taking it to the basket anthony davis is taking it to the basket of course they're going to draw contact of course they're going to draw fouls if carl is settling for mid-range jumpers he's not going to get the whistle in that situation so i'm 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 not buying it it's let's talk about the ant part of it because again you know it's it's chaos down there afterwards and we're running around to try and do the post game press conferences and 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 get to the locker room and there's a limited amount of time Mm -hmm. apparently that that we can that we can talk to them we as we sit here on on wednesday morning we have no real clarity from finch or from ant or from the team what he was dealing with physically um as i was watching live I mean, I just saw such a like almost mentally disconnected ant yeah. in after he crashed there and, and came back with like nine minutes, nine minutes left in the game. And it, it was honestly the the one thing that that surprised me is just like one time going back down in like a normal transition situation, he just decided to pick up Rui Hachimura when he's guarding Dennis Schroeder for the you know, the previous ten possessions or whatever, and and Carl's like so you want me to guard Schroeder here? And I don't even think the Lakers even scored on that possession, but I was just like, that was, I was like, Ant isn't here mentally. And, and what my head went to was like, did he hit his head? You know, when, when he went down, when he, when he went down to the floor and I, from the locker room afterwards and not just Ant, but all the other players, I think fatigue, exhaustion, maybe lack of cardio, <laughs> to be able to play in that what was the factor and 
was completely wrapped up in ice packs all up and down his legs on his right hand. I mean, he was definitely, definitely wasn't a hundred percent physically there, but the mental disconnect part, I probably wasn't a concussion. That was what I was just like, is is that what happened? You know, he hit, he hit his head. I think it was just redlining like in terms of overall fatigue and physicality. And I mean, Ant doesn't have a track record of just coming up short in those times, at least in terms of energy and effort. Like this is, these are, those are the times when he actually brings the energy and effort. And it's the second quarter against the subs when, when you kind of have those, those lapses. So, I, I think a huge part of it was was Ant physically not being able to be there. And again, we we don't know specifically, but it, it just it looked like he just had as little gas in the tank as as anybody on the yeah, entire team. And it didn't help that he, you know, before the tumble, he was off to I think he was one for nine at that point in time. Like yeah, it wasn't just the end of the game that he was just bad. the end of the game. It was it was all throughout the night. The Lakers have done a good job defending him the last couple of times they've played the Wolves here. Uh Vando's Vando done tough. A, Vando's done a really nice job on him and they've they'll double him, make him give it up and you know They'll rotate, and they, they made other guys hit shots uh, last night for three quarters. I was working for the Wolves. Other guys were hitting shots. Mike Conley was hitting shots. Torian Prince was hitting shots. Um, but then everything, again, in the fourth quarter, just, you know, the Lakers didn't have to double him as much because he wasn't doing as much. So they could just have one person on him. They didn't have to make him give it up. And it was wasn't creating the open shots that it was for the first three quarters. So very very different ant game. Um, you know, we'll we'll see. You know, if they practice tomorrow, um, we'll probably talk to him then. See what see what's going on. He, knowing him, he's gonna try to brush it all off. Say he's fine. Say he's gonna be fine for Friday. This and that. But given the effort that he had, the the effort he. Had, he had late Sunday and then late yesterday. Just couldn't be two different right. games. And it wasn't like he was lighting the world on fire in the first half of that game on Sunday either. But to your point, down the stretch, he That's showed up knows. in a big way he sh- on both ends of the floor. Um, so very different, very different Ant game. Um, you know, we'll see if he's okay and see what he's got for Friday. Yeah, and the 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 van the combination of Vanderbilt. And AD is is a huge factor here too. Mm. O- outside of the general like Wolves offense getting sticky as it does, um, you know, not having the ball movement, whatever, whatever. Um, but for Ant, you have Vanderbilt on him, who I think guards him individually as well as anyone. Mm-hmm. Plus, you have that lurking rim protector back there in in Anthony Davis, which we've also seen really slow down even healthy ant hesitate to be able to get to the rim when it's that type of guy so i mean it's it's on the wolves you can't score 12 points i do think it was they knew that it was only two guys ant and cat who could really do anything offensively and they started switching everything they they took davis into kind of that lurking role and which makes you be like okay well ant's not there then like give it to cat at the nail right that's what they where they always want to go when mm-hmm. when things get sticky and tight like that but when anthony davis is lurking I, I saw some people being like oh austin reeves shut down cat and it's like well cat didn't 
couldn't even get by Austin Reeves because Anthony Davis was like five feet right. away. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it, that's what kind of led, leads Cat to take some of those, you know, fading shots or wh- whatever it might be. And, and the combination of the, the five fouls for Carl, you know, makes him more hesitant. As he said after the game to us when we asked, like, what does that change for you mentally? You know, he's like, yeah, it made me. I wouldn't have taken that fadeaway shot. He mentioned that specifically. If I didn't have five fouls, I probably would have gone to the basket. He was just so afraid of getting a charge in that spot, which, I mean, at some point with maybe four minutes left, whatever, like you just got to throw caution to the wind and just play like you play. Mm -hmm. You you just got to do it. You can't be a half version of yourself or 75% Mm -hmm. of yourself out there, especially as the lead starts crumbling away. Like you just gotta, you gotta take a chance. You gotta initiate contact at, at some point and risk that sixth foul. Let's talk about more about uh, Carl and when Carl wasn't out there, when Carl wasn't, uh, when he wasn't thriving the way he was. Kind of the first three quarters. But we'll grab our first break here. We'll be back with Chris. Today's show is brought to you by Land and Lore. If you're a dude who is still washing your face using a bar of soap or nothing at all, this one is for you. It's time to stop living like a caveman. And start taking care of yourself with Land and Lore, the only men's skincare brand that doesn't suck. Let's face it, if you don't look good, you don't feel good. And if you don't feel good, you're not going to do good. So start your day off like you care and use Land and Lore. Your partner will thank you. And we'll be proud of you for at least trying. Fans of the podcast have even more reason to start caring. Use promo code 20CAVEMAN at checkout on Amazon.com to get 20% off our face cleaner or moisturizer. And extra credit if you leave a review. That's... 20 caveman for 20% off land and lore at amazon.com. These two products are proven to help you look your best. So upgrade your life with land and lore today. Your face and your partner will thank you for it. Today's episode is brought to you by 20 by 20 solutions, a Minneapolis based technology consulting company that works with your business to help you build and sustain success. A great front office puts together a winning team with a coach who can put together a winning strategy. When leadership does its job and it all comes together, that means success. Success in business isn't any different. Business leaders need to find the right mix of technology, strategy, and talent to make things really work. And that's never been truer for growing companies. 20 by 20's team has helped grow companies from thousands of customers to tens of millions by helping businesses across a wide range of industries, from consumer technology and healthcare to manufacturing and even human spaceflight. Reach out to Clark and Ben, who are Wolves fans and fans of this show, by emailing them at team at 20 by 20 solutions.com. That's T E A M at 20x20 solutions.com. And their team will review your needs and help you put together a plan before you need to make any commitments. 20 by 20 solutions, technology, workflow, architecture, strategy. They're your sixth man on a winning team. All right, we're back with Chris Hine from the Star Tribune. Chris, I hint. It was one of those wild games when you're looking at the box score over the course of the game. And one, just seeing that the Wolves bench really couldn't do anything out of Nikhil Alexander-Walker, but particular outside of Nikhil. But particularly when Cat was off the floor, even through the first three quarters before everything you know, shut down, they were getting toasted in the minutes that that Cat wasn't out there and, and killing when he was. I, I looked it up before this. When Cap picked up his fifth foul with 10-17 to go in the fourth, the Wolves are up 89-79. to And at that point in time, 
the Wolves had outscored the Lakers by 27 in the 32 minutes Cat had played and lost the six minutes at that point in time that he had sat by 17 points. <laughs> I mean, that is wild. Um, he, then, he he has to, play, then he has to he sit. He was playing a fantastic game until that. Absolutely. Game. He was playing one of the... I mean, he hasn't played many games this season, but best game of his season for three, oh, three quarters or easily. He was the best player on the floor. He was. For three Absolutely. quarters. Not even close. Absolutely. He was fantastic. It's, I mean, they needed another center, which is a sentence I haven't said the entire season. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was. Uh, I, I, I flash back to when, when Conley last night was talking about all the, the trouble that the switching lineups were giving them. I was like, man, that is Nas Reed specialty right there. Totally, man. Who, who is better at slipping a screen, making quick actions, moving, pop, moving, popping, Taking a guy off the dribble, you know, like who's better at that than than Nas Reed on this team? He would have been the perfect counter for what the Lakers were trying to do down the stretch last night. And I couldn't help but think that when Conley was talking about that last night. It's just all the guys in the locker room are just like, man, if we had any one of those guys, meaning Nas, Jaden, or Rudy in that game, Mm -hmm. and specifically to the non-cap minute because they had to go so small and then you got to play Kyle at the five mm-hmm. so it, even if it's Jaden right then you're a little bit bigger and you're not getting beat up on the offensive glass probably as much if it's Jaden versus Jordan McLaughlin or Jalen Noel out there right? right at that time but I mean the bench was terrible and I mean I, kind of as to be expected I don't mean that in a totally pejorative way but like the first sub of the game man was but was it Nikhil Alexander Walker, Jordan McLaughlin, and Nate Knight check into the game? Yeah. And and the Wolves were rolling at that point. But I'm like, I mean, how are they going to win this game if you have to be giving those guys heavy minutes? We've seen J Mac really struggle against the Lakers, struggle against them in a major way last night. Nate Knight, I mean, it was only like two and a half minutes he played, but Finch didn't go back to him after that. It's it's not one of those things where we can be like, oh, they didn't put together a good enough of a bench, you know. To be these aren't right, guys who right. have been, these are been guys, playing. right? Exactly. There should there should have been three other guys in the rotation last night, who which means three other guys are out, right? Yeah. Like if J- I mean, I think Jalen Noel was their second best player off the bench. Yeah, he's for seven nine he, points, yeah, and he's played hardly at all over the past what, month month right. plus, you right. know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was killer. I I think. The Nas one's an injury. The Jaden one's an injury. But if you don't suspend Rudy, you win that game too. I think. I mean, simply from the simply from those numbers, losing the minutes that bad that Cat was off the floor. I don't think Rudy's a a, a great option against that matchup. But it's better than Nate Knight, and it's better than going back to I mean, whenever the Wolves had to, to play these. Al Carl, yeah, uh, yeah, it, it they. They needed it, and you know that one that that part of it. I would imagine for for Wolves fans stings because that self inflicted and then self inflicted again by by the suspension. And you know, I, I I get it. I don't know if we were running the team too, and we might have come to that decision as well. I I I don't know that that's a that's a hard call to make there. And yeah, I I I, I don't I don't totally have a huge problem with that but it was the difference was. If, if rudy if rudy plays I, I i don't 
I think they're going to Memphis. I think it's it's kind of it, it's kind of that simple because they needed one more thing to work. Oh, and what I want to say too um, mm-hmm. is I think is the first time all year I, I've said the Rudy Ant thing hasn't worked, and that's been the most concerning element to me about the Gobert trade. Right, like right. those two don't have a chemistry, and I normally think about that from the sense of Ant doesn't pass to Rudy or doesn't effectively pass to Rudy. Rick's clogging the lane. But yeah. I thought about it the other way in this game, particularly even before Ant got hurt and he's not doing anything offensively. And I'm like, well, what will be a way to get him open? Some Rudy screens, you know? And and they didn't they didn't have that. It kind of actually gave me a little bit of appreciation for that pairing that I haven't had this season. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, in in the fourth quarter, Carl's got five fouls. He isn't even like he's setting those like phantom the Nas screens, right? Where you actually don't even don't even touch the guy, which I get, you know, you set enough set enough high screens, you're gonna get an offensive foul if you're Carl. Mm -hmm. But that they needed to get Ant going and having somebody to actually set a clean screen to get him going downhill. I think I think that was huge. And that that's part of that to me is a part of 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 Rudy missing this game as well. And just him and Mike Conley maybe doing something late. It's just yeah. like, hey, you know, we're struggling right now. Let's just you and me go to the corner and figure something out. Right. You know, that and, empty and corner thing. Yeah. Empty corner thing that they do. They didn't have that to lean on, you know, in as a crutch late in the game to maybe get a cheap bucket. So again, perfect storm. Perfect storm of everything that could go wrong. Um not having Rudy. Um I wonder how I wonder how they I mean, defensively, they weren't. I don't think they were bad last night by any stretch. It's just the offensive rebounds. The offense, yeah, the offensive rebounds, which was to be expected. Right. Um, but I thought they they played good enough defense to win. Mm-hmm. I, I think they played better defense than I thought they were going to coming into the night. Um, Torian Prince and Kyle Anderson, I thought, played their butts off on the defensive end of the floor. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, really helped keep them in that game. Um it's just yeah, not having Rudy out there was was huge. You felt you felt his impact last night. You Oddly on it. offense too, right? And on offense, exactly. In ways that we wouldn't have expected. Yeah. It was it was a it was a surprising development. It it's also like you lose Jaden and Rudy, your two best defenders, and still don't play that bad of a defensive game, mm-hmm. which I think actually in a way kind of makes sense. Like you're gonna get it's a playoff game, basically. And so all of your more mediocre defenders are going to be more intentional defensively, right? Yeah. And and they were. Like one thing that really has bothered me with this team all season is getting not just getting back in transition defense and not letting the team get a layup, but getting back in transition defense and not guarding your guy. I thought they actually did a really good job of that that outside of that one ant thing I was talking about, but like, um, they did, they, they, they had good attention to detail and transition defense last night, which not to get ahead of ourselves here. And if, you know, if they beat new Orleans or Oklahoma city or whatever, if, if Rudy is back and Jaden is out, I going off of this game, I guess it's kind of a positive spin, is I don't think they're going to miss Jaden's defense as much as I thought they they were. I mean, obviously you're gonna you're gonna miss it, but if you do have the other eight guys in the rotation playing with that real attention to detail defensively, I think you make up for a lot of Jaden's absence. To Jaden's credit, that's what you know, he that's where his mind is 
is at every game, right? Like, okay, right. defensive responsibility, defensive responsibility. If everyone else is doing that and Nikhil's playing well like he did mm-hmm. last night, um, I'm not going to go into the Denver matchup being like, there's no way they can guard this team. Like, yeah. I, I, I think they do have enough defensively. I'm not saying to win the series, but to, but to not get completely cooked in a way where you're like, well, they had no chance to guard this team. I, I, I don't, particularly with Rudy back in the mix, I don't think this is a, a bad defensive team by, by any stretch of the imagination. I don't, I don't think it is either. I think Anderson can do well enough. Torian Prince can do well enough. Ant can do well enough. And like you said, Nikhil can do well enough as kind of your main defenders. It helps to have Mike Conley there to be able to totally. soak up some quality defensive minutes as well. So I do think they are well equipped to try and compensate for the loss of Jaden. I mean, and they've had to do it in games when Jaden's been in foul trouble throughout the season as well. It's, it's nothing right. new. Have, having having Torian Prince back and looking like himself, you know, despite the loss, um, these last couple of games here, um, I think has been a, a, a good under the radar development mm-hmm. for this team. He's he seems to be back to where you expect Torian Prince to be. So having him back to seemingly 100% is, is going to be huge for them on Friday and moving forward. Uh, Kyle Anderson, you know, I, he, he mentioned something last night about he was putting in a lot of effort on defense, and maybe that did affect his offense a little bit. It's natural. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to have to find a way, I think, to counter that with Ant. Sure. You gotta you gotta make sure that Ant <laughs> Ant doesn't have another night like he did last night offensively. Um, so as much as you might want to give him big time defensive responsibilities now, you still gotta lighten his load a little bit on the defensive end. That's a good point. I yeah, that's what I when I talked about after the Jaden injury, I'm like, okay, where my head went was like, you need Carl to carry the load offensively because now Ant is going to have have to have so much defensive responsibility, particularly like in a series against John Morant or something like that. And now I feel a little less so this way. I mean, I've been really up and down on Nikhil Alexander Walker over the course of the year and probably more down than, than up. I thought so much of that was, I I see him to be, have seen him to be such a volatile player. I thought he was like so disciplined in that game. He was just, even like on offense, it's just like to the corner. He like clearly got like four bullet points of what to do in the game, yeah. and and he did it. And so I think that whether it's against New Orleans or Oklahoma City or whatever, he is the most reliable bench piece right yeah. now, which is, is kind of crazy to say, but it's big because it doesn't make it so Ant needs to be guarding CJ McCollum every possession or Shea Gilgis-Alexander or what, whoever it might be. And uh, yeah, I, I think that is a takeaway to, to take from this game is that the defense is better without Jaden McDaniels uh, than I than I thought it would be. Let's let's grab one more break here, and then we'll kind of look forward a little bit, and uh, yeah, just just kind of wrap this up of what happened tonight and what what could be happening going forward. Today's show is sponsored by Shady Rays. Kick off the new year with new gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world class product. That's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. It's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, 
They told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back after you purchase. With Shady Rays, you can look good and feel good. To date, they have donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. If you don't love them, exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. And exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com, use promo code DaneMore for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 20,000 people. Today's show is brought to you by Factor, and Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit that can help you fuel up fast this spring with ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. If you're just too busy to cook this spring with Factor, skip the trip to the grocery store, skip the chopping, the prepping, and the cleaning up. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you got to do is heat them up and enjoy, and then you can get back outside. For me, why I've used Factor is to cut back on takeout. Save me money. It's definitely saved me time waiting for the food to get delivered. And the food's just healthier. They offer a variety of options on the menu, keto, calorie smart, vegan, protein plus. All of those options are prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians. So each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied. And honestly, it just tastes good. So head to factormeals.com slash danemore50 and use code danemore50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code danemore50 at factormeals.com slash danemore50 to get 50% off your first box. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Chris, um, where should we go next? We got uh, 
We got Mike Conley with with a big game there. When I get home to Minneapolis, that's where I'm going. Yeah, they, we're, we are running on a, a short amount of, of of sleep right now. Um, I, I thought I thought one. I thought Mike Conley uh, was was great in that game. Mike Conley's performance last night goes down in franchise history if they win that game. Yes, like it gets it gets a side note almost because of the loss, but. What it's kind of like the Jaden. It's kind of like Jaden punching the wall. Right, right. You know what I mean? It's what like a, every the attention's everywhere else. Yeah. What a what a game he played last night. Like honestly, like I just want to take a minute to say he played phenomenal. Um, hits the three free throws. It's like that. It's like that moment like you dream of as a kid, right? Not, but but you don't have to hit two free throws to mm-hmm. tie the game. You have to hit three to tie the game. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't imagine stepping to the line in that situation. 0.1 seconds. You're playing the Lakers yeah. on the road with a playoff berth on the line. And he steps up and hits all three free throws. Like just I I, I hats off to him for that. I, I just thought it was a cool. I thought just regardless of what happened the rest mm-hmm. of the game, that was just a very cool moment to see, I thought. And then he gets to steal. <laughs> Late in overtime when they're down three that. and need a play, yeah. and he gets the steal with like 15 seconds left and sets up Prince for a three on the in transition. Torian misses the shot, but they had another shot to tie the game yeah, because he Mike Conley that. made a made a play that you just didn't see coming. Like, mm-hmm. and he was he's six for eight from three point range. Like, I just Mike Conley was fantastic last night. You you asked him about the the three free throws. I thought his answer was cool. Let's play that. Stepping in the line at the end of regulation, there and having knocked down three to tie the game. Um, honestly, I before I took my first shot, I thought like, man, I, I'm glad it's me, you know, and nobody else, because I'd rather if, if I make or miss them, I'd rather be, you know, the guy in control, because I wouldn't have been able to handle it if I was watching somebody else shoot those three, um, you know, as a bystander. But uh, you know, after the first one went in, I it felt you know kind of calm me down a little bit and. A couple deep breaths and uh, locked in on the next two. So, related to to Mike Conley, that that was that's cool. I mean, mm-hmm. it was crazy in there, just from where we were sitting and watching him and all the like. We had we were across the court on the other side, so you could see all the fans waving their hands and and all that. And I'm like, I would not have made those. Free. I would have made one of those. <laughs> um, but but outside of that, I, I think Mike Conley as we talk about this, cons- the Wolves consistently blowing big leads and big games and the offense having power outages. And there's this, you know, there's this problem with this team right now of of balancing flow and structure offensively for, for in general, right. for all four quarters, that's a problem, but particularly in the fourth quarter. And it hasn't gotten better since Mike Conley has been here, though. This this is his first time experiencing this. He wasn't he wasn't there uh, in the Memphis series, being part of those those losses. And I would imagine Mike, as a real high IQ guy, understanding and acknowledging that that is an issue for for this team, and and needing to be able to to figure that out. And who better to put make the decision between a structured offensive play or just playing through the Finch style flow? Than the point guard, right? Yeah. And 
it's one reason I would, again, my, my stance on just this team making the playoffs is there's a lot of value in it in experiencing more of these moments and maybe maybe having a, a game against Denver where you're up 15 in the fourth quarter and they make a 12-point a run and you're up three and then you structure your offense or you do whatever offensively to, to make it happen. I think Mike Conley, I don't think anyone else on the team can solve that. I just, I, I think, you know, Ant can be a superhero from time to time. That's not, that's not the necessary structure. Carl, they're going to be, I mean, he can score at will, but in the fourth quarter, as Memphis did, as LA did, like they are going to be so intentional about taking him away, throwing different looks at him, having the the Anthony Davis lurk, the Jaron Jackson Jr. lurk. Like and, and Mike Conley has to yeah. figure that out. And Carl late in games when carl gets the ball it's the opposite of flow right mm. like i mean it can be effective as it was for three quarters as it, was, as it was for three quarters it can be effective like it was in that game against brooklyn but that is the kind of the antithesis of, of the flow when, when they try to work the ball to him in the post or wherever and he's kind of making up his, you know, deciding what he's going to do with it mike Conley did not have one, like I said, one of his crutches last night, which is just Rudy come Rudy, out here yeah. and let's let's do something. Um, but it yeah, was maybe a, that is simple. Maybe the answer is as simple as that. Of like, hey, part of it, you know. Yeah. Um, and, but it, it was interesting to hear him talk about and, and to your point about the fact that he just hasn't been here for you know more than two months. Um, you know, he's like he's like I got to get with Finch. We just got to talk things over, like. You know, this is this is maybe a conversation they they would have had back in December, <laughs> you know. Um, but it's happening now. Um, so let's play that clip. Yeah, I, yeah, I asked Mike about that. that. Clip. Yeah, go. Like when the the offense does get sticky like that, is it more about player and ball movement, or is it more about the structure <laughs> to get it unsticky? Um, I think the structure helps. <laughs> You know, because I think it, it allows guys to to then um, make the hard cut because they know they have the space to cut. They know where the guys are on the you know the weak side, or just you just have a a, a set that feels comfortable. Um, and I think that, like I said, we can get we can get to that point. I think we just gotta uh, you know use these next couple of days to really lock in on that, like not worry about the three quarters of offense that we had where we run and push and guys are getting open and stuff like that, but really lock in on those last five, six minutes of, of switching and how can we attack it? How can we, you know, get Cat rolling down the lane more and get, you know, Ant downhill um, where he's, you know, basically unstoppable. So, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit of both, but I think we'll, we'll figure it out. So I, I've asked Mike about that a couple times this year, Chris, at different times, different. It hasn't all been fourth quarters and stuff, but about that balance of structure versus flow. And every time Mike has said, I think we could benefit from a little bit more structure or or that can help us in, yeah. in those situations when we're structured. And and I think I think Chris Finch knows that too. Though I mean that would have been a time in that game to to structure it more and and Finch consistently opts to not do that or or at least the players on the floor are not playing in a manner offensively that looks structured. And so I, I don't know if that needs to be influence from, from Mike of like, Hey, as the point guard, this is what we need. But I, I think again, if it's again in the second playing game or in a series, Finch just needs to move 
that marker more towards structure with this roster. I, I'm not saying it's a terrible strategy in general. I, I, I've become a believer in the idea that the best basketball, through having watched Chris Finch teams, the best basketball does come through flow. But the worst basketball can come through that too. Yeah, yeah. And, and they need to find more of a middle ground. I think you have a point guard now who can initiate that a lot more than D'Angelo Russell could. Mm-hmm. I think it's why Jordan McLaughlin closed the game Game six against Memphis last year, and D'Angelo Russell was on the bench. Like, I think Finch knows they need that. And now you have a point guard who can do that. Maybe to your point, he needs to have Rudy Gobert um, in the mix there. But it, in general, what, what did you think about Finch's performance coaching in that game and, and what you know they, they could have done differently or could do differently in the future? It's hard to pinpoint it because As we're not coaches. Like, right. so it's, it's, I'm not saying, look, Chris, because, like, because you would have won the game, but well, because you, again, I, I'm, I'm going back to that Brooklyn game and having a, a fully activated Carl down the stretch of that game and just getting him, feeding him the ball, trying to get him the ball and him being aggressive with it, won them that game. They also didn't double though. The, ne- yeah, the Nets weren't yeah, doubling. Like that's, that's the true. thing. It's like true, that, I yeah. think that's what they want to get to. But the double or the lurking center, and like, you, and then you react off of that. It's that they gets it. It seems yeah. like in the fourth quarters when the doubles come or when Carl can't be aggressive, foul trouble, lurking guy, whatever, and they kick it out. That's where I see the stickiness. I don't actually think it's Carl. It's like it's yeah. Carl double the kick, and then then it's TP or Kyle or whatever, and they're like looking, you- they're like, what am I doing? Are you able to lurk off Rudy as much? No, I don't. If he's in there, I don't think so. So, yeah, I mean, we haven't obviously we haven't seen a ton of that. Leave him because he will. If you get him the ball in the right spot, make you pay for it. You know, having TP or Kyle down there just not as big. He's able to get back force effective shot I'm, I'm just trying i'm just trying to think like how specifically last night i got an idea is different than maybe what they would do normally and so how do you take a lesson from last night and apply it going forward i'm not sure how to how to do that i i can't believe i'm about to make a case for rudy gobert post-ups but <laughs> but think about it so right like yeah. they're they're switching five. Yeah. The Lakers are every time Carl or Kyle came to set a screen for Ant, mm-hmm. and and then so then there's a small on the big, and and so Cat's going. If it's Cat, then it was like Austin Reeves, and it's that, and then AD's there. But if you have both Cat and Carl or Cat and Rudy, mm-hmm. Rudy would then have a small on him for those post up situations because Anthony Davis was out on Ant, yeah. and and when Rudy can get like that deep seal. It's, you know, that that works. It probably wouldn't be in. He would need to kind of make a post move, which, you know, I know there's not a lot of faith in that. But I think point being, I think that's what we'll see. Yeah. Um. Yeah. In, you know, in again, if they get if they get a playoff series in that sort of way, whether that's Aaron, Aaron Gordon, Jokic, uh, whatever it might be. But Rudy needs to do that. Like, whether it's this season or next season down the line, I mean, he needs to develop some sort of jump hook, whatever, some sort of go-to, I got a six-foot-six guy on me, what can I go to in that situation? And I think that's what, I think if Rudy was out there offensively in that situation, 
that would have looked like yeah. the matchup to go at. And then we would have seen what Rudy could do with it. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny to be, be calling for that. But I, I think that, uh, yeah. you know, that's a, off the top of my at head. Le- at, that's least, fact. at least specifically last night. Yes. Would have made a big difference. Mm-hmm. It's just hard. It's, it is hard for me to, to draw these grand conclusions moving oh, forward yeah. um, mm-hmm. as to what they should do late game offensively. Again, when just everything that the, the opponent, how they're deciding to right. guard it, they're, you're it's, right. It's Carl in the foul situation, Ant banged up slash mm-hmm. lacking confidence or whatever was going on. Yeah, um, just all of it just was a every every button that they usually mm-hmm. push. Yeah, in those situations, for better or for worse just came up empty mm-hmm. and so how do you adjust off of that yeah right. i don't know um, final question for you mm-hmm. what should be the level of desperation in this final playing game against the pelicans or or thunder i mean which is really asking the question i guess of what is the value of going to a playoff series even if it's the one eight versus going into the offseason having not even made the playoffs, right? I think, obviously, you want to make the playoffs, but maybe that's my way of asking is how destructive will it be to to the offseason if they don't, if they don't win this game? I think it'll be a huge missed opportunity. Um, I don't think it'll be destructive, but you like you, you miss the chance to learn a lot about this team. I mean, you're you're going to learn some things if you lose a playing game um, at home. Um, I think that they will be. I didn't get the sense that they were overly distraught last night in the locker room. I think they felt like they played well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the team is necessarily emotionally down coming into Friday night. Apparently, they just don't even have that in their DNA. <laughs> right. <laughs> there's been about 15 times yeah. where I've been like, man, I've been... <laughs> they do bounce back. Didn't, didn't they, seem that way. Um, they have fighters, but, Chris. But one, honestly, but one of the things that, you know, I think I was looking forward to in a playoff series was seeing how Jaden was going to perform. Yeah. And he made such a big, uh, the playoffs were so big for him last year. And you're not going to have that this year for him. And it's it's a, a huge bummer. For this team, regardless of how they do in that series, that he's not going to be around for it. Um, you're going to get some, you know. Listen, you're going you're gonna to face Jokic and Rudy and Carl are going to be out there for at least four games. Uh, <laughs> I think that would be fun to watch. Yeah. I would love to see how that work, plays itself out. You know, the <laughs> the three guys, three of the four big men who are angling for those All NBA slots yeah. the last half decade. You know, all on the floor at the same time. Mm. Um, it would be a lot of fun to watch yeah. I, and, and you really would like, okay, we have two big guys against the two time, maybe three time MVP. How is this going to work against him? You know, there you go. Just roll it out and see what happens. That's the team. That's one of the teams you got to get by. If you want to be a Western conference power. So you got to measure yourself against who they are and, and what you are. So you, I, I, I'm talking myself into the fact that they need to make this playoff series. Yeah. Well, I'm just just thinking about like they got for next year too. And like, it's going, okay. Like if, if they lose on Friday and they don't make it, you know, we're going to be doing our exit interviews with the coaches and front office and the players and this and that. And obviously whether, you know, they'll frame it, but they will, 
point to excuses mm-hmm. of no Jaden, no Nas on down the line. And that's going to ring pretty false to me, I think. Even, even I'm not saying those aren't legitimate excuses, but you made such an investment in a team that is so talented that you, that even, and we saw last night that even losing mm-hmm. those, th- not having those three guys is still should have beat the Lakers yeah. in, in LA. So they are excuses, but they, they do not, I don't know. They do not absolve them in my opinion from, from the expectation that they should still be in that one, eight series. And, getting what we both believe is is really valuable experience even if it isn't for Jaden for Ant man it's just it's for yeah, Ant absolutely that that that's that's the thing it will it, to me it will be a serious missed opportunity as, as you said um if, if if they don't get there and yes you have some excuses so it isn't like full on desperation you lose and you have to totally blow it up type of situation but it's a it's a missed opportunity and they you know they get to go home and you're not going to be playing a great team in the Thunder if it's them. You're not going to be playing a full strength team if it's if it's the Pelicans. So one is going to have its share of excuses if they come in on on Friday night. Yeah, Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's same. Yeah, like if you if you lose to New Orleans, they have just as many. Ex- I mean, they're missing Zion Williams. They're missing right. their best player. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma City doesn't have centers. Like they're missing. <laughs> they're missing right. like right. eighty million right. in salary just because they didn't pay anyone. You know, yeah. like. There isn't an excuse to 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 lose to to either of those teams, even if you do have some legitimate excuses about why you aren't as you aren't at full strength yourself. So it'll be interesting uh, to to see what happens. Uh, it's going <laughs> it's going to be a weird week. It's going to be done here in a few days, and we're going to be doing those exit interviews or we're gonna on be Saturday. Out in Denver in, or, in a couple days. You yep. know, it, it's it's uh, it's going to be wild. Um, well, Chris, we gotta we gotta go catch our our flight back to to Minneapolis. Appreciate you getting up early this morning, and we'll uh, one way or the other, we'll be talking again way, on, see, on Monday. See what shirt I'm wearing uh, today? Yes, is tell my, a story is, about who you is saw. Carol King Tapestry T-shirt, one of a few Carol King Tapestry T-shirts that I have. <laughs> um, but last night, I have been coming to Wolves games for five years. I put this out on Twitter for those that might have seen it. But I've been coming to Wolves Lakers games here in LA for five years now on this beat, and Lou Adler is obviously notorious for sitting courtside. Uh, at Lakers games with his friend Jack Nicholson. Um, I've been waiting five years for Lou Adler to be at a Timberwolves-Lakers game, and he was finally there last night. Lou Adler is the guy that produced Carol King's Tapestry, and he produced a bunch of her albums in the 70s. Um, and so I finally got the chance to go over and say hello. At, at halftime, Chris, half Chris goes, I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go. I, I made it. I saw he was just sitting there by himself. Um, and I was just like, he's not getting up. This is the perfect <laughs> moment. It's never going to come again, maybe. Um, you know, and so I just went over and, and said how much I appreciated all the, all the music he made that has That's meant cool. so much to me. So it was, it was a very cool couple of minutes that we got to share. By the way, he said, uh, he said he thought the Wolves were going to be tired down the stretch last ah. night. I think he was right. <laughs> Another moral victory. Still sharp. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, he's uh, he's Chris Hine. You can read. Uh, he's uh, We'll have, a, I'm sure, a ton of stuff uh, up at the Star Tribune this week. Uh, I just read his gamer before we uh, recorded this. A, a lot of other uh, you know quotes that we 
came out of the locker room or from the, the press conference last night that we, we didn't get to hear on the pod. But uh, as always, go check out uh, Chris's writing uh, here. And I've, you know, not that this will be our last time, but it's, it's, it's cool to, uh, in all seriousness, like be able to sit here and talk to someone that I was sitting next to, you know, during, like we go through that whole <laughs> the emotional swig of <laughs> before the game and during the game and after the game together. So I, I think it makes, I think it makes for uh, a good podcast. So appreciate you doing it. You guys can uh, follow Chris on Twitter at Christopher Hine. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. I will be back with some sort of pod on uh, Thursday, hopefully previewing the, the thunder uh, or, or Pelicans as, as a matchup, maybe grab Jace uh, to talk a little bit too. So Keep looking. We're just going to be kind of firing out pods here uh, almost daily until whenever this season mercifully comes to a close. So for Chris, I'm Dane. We'll uh, talk to you Thursday. Peace out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.